You are now listening to What Killed Us This Time. Two guys, two minds, two opinions, ranting about life. Here's your hosts, Holden Bleeker and Eric Scanlon. All right, what is up? This is the first podcast of What Killed Us This Time. I'm your host, Holden, alongside my good friend, Eric. Eric, how you been? We're good, you know, we're just out here back out living in california it's a wretched state but you know it is what it is i mean it's california it's it is what it is exactly (laughs) i don't don't think people have that high expectations for it anymore you you know everybody still kind of thinks of it as the dreamland but the people that live here really know what it is so yeah, it's kind of funny. Everyone wants to move to California, and then everyone in California wants to move out. They can come here all they want. I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> you coming back to Idaho? That's the goal. I think Idaho's pretty much it's the state where I want to be in. I got a lot of friends out there, a lot of family considering moving there. It's just a more kind of it's a better community aspect too in the Boise area too. I mean, obviously, I went to school there. That's where you're currently going to school. You and I were roommates at one point. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, because this has been a plan for almost four years now. Like we we've been talking about this since even before we were roommates. That's that's very true. Ever since you were a little freshman, and I was a God, what was I doing back then? Well, I think this all talk started when you're on your own radio show with uh, Ben about movies. And I was like, see, I need a radio show. And then this is where we got to the topic of, you know, just doing a little rant stuff because, you know, that's what we're best at. It is. It really is. I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, you just give us a topic and we're pretty much good to go from there on out. I mean, we've got a lot of opinions. We might not always be right, but at least we we have the decency to share it with the world, you know? (laughs) absolutely yeah absolutely i mean i mean our opinions are our opinions but usually we just state more the facts and then people miss you know they just confuse our uh, opinions and facts opinions facts i think that you know today's day and age now especially with people are within our age group a lot of it's emotional which you know i completely understand i think that with us being in the younger generation a lot of what's going on right now definitely is going to affect us but I think that a lot of people misconstrue what's really going on. And I think that one side kind of plays the emotional card and the emotional appeal better than the other. Oh. Um, that's kind of where everything is, if you really ask me. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know my family. I am definitely the least emotional driven person out of them. Correct. <laughs> I mean, I, I go off logic and facts. So let's. It keeps life a lot simpler in my I, my view. To me, it's just, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. That's the best way that I look at things. I, I think, I mean, that's all. I don't know why more people don't do that, really. People can be stupid. <laughs> people really are stupid sometimes. <laughs> but not everyone. Not everybody. Just a majority. Well, before we get started with today's topics, everyone, please go follow us on Instagram. It is what killed us this time. All one word. Actually, I think there's a few uh, spaces in there. Um, all right, Eric, let's start off. What killed you this time? Well, most recently, 
we have the Supreme Court selection. Now, I don't have a problem with the now appointed Justice Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. I think my biggest problem is how everybody tried to stall it and kind of what people's opinions are. I understand that, you know, the Supreme Court is obviously what make or breaks a lot of things once you kind of get down to the shaping of policy and, you know, overall things. Like I know that there's definitely Obamacare is up for reappeal. And then I think everybody's talking about Roe v. Wade coming back into play. Um, But what I didn't like about it and what I think you could say what killed me about it was just everybody's reaction to, oh, this happened so fast. Oh, you know, they're rushing this. The Republicans are trying to pack the Supreme Court. When I think that's really just the opposite. I mean, I think historically hearings take place usually about 12 to 13 days after the president nominates. And that's exactly what happened here. So I don't really understand where people are saying, oh, he, you know, President Trump rushed this. President Trump's doing this. Um, To me, quite frankly, I think that any president would have done the exact same thing that he did of nominating somebody, even if it's an election year. You know, people can go back and forth. I mean, even Senator Lindsey Graham, who's the chairman of the uh, committee, once said that he would rather, you know, have the next president make that selection in the election year, whether or not that be Trump or whether that be Biden. Um, But, you know, obviously that's not always the case. I think that any president would have done the same thing, to be quite frankly. If Biden was president, he would have tried to make a selection. He would have pushed it through. Um, to me, there's no difference in that. I didn't have a problem with any of that. That's just kind of the way that politics works here, to be quite frank. No, I completely agree. I think a main point you pointed out was like they, with rushing it through. And I was like this, I was like, no, when someone sadly dies on the Supreme Court, a nomination immediately happens and it gets pushed through. I know a lot of people look to 2016 when it got blocked. I didn't agree with that. I think, you know, Obama was president at the time and he deserved to get the Supreme Court nominee. And I think it's the same thing now. You know, Trump's president, he gets to nominate the person. Um, I just find it funny the people that were complaining and saying it was unconstitutional to block it 2016 are saying the opposite now, saying no. Now we need to block it. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like you can't keep going back and forth to have it your way. It needs to be the stable thing of no president gets to nominate and then it goes through. Exactly. You know, we're not in a position to where we can make the decision, you know, in that regard, I understand that we, the people are the ones that elect the president and other elected officials like Senate and Congress members. Um, but, you know, once you get down to it and you're breaking things down in Washington, it's really those people that are put in the places that they're put to make those decisions. And that's why President Trump did what he did. And obviously, you know, he's doing what he thinks is best. Amy Comey Barrett was on his short list of people that he would have liked to have nominated in 2016 when the original one that was his first nomination, he was wasn't even president elect when. Uh, when that selection was started, I think that was when Justice Scalia had passed away. Yeah, I believe that and, was. Mm-hmm, and for that, I mean, what's the thing that you really have to look at of why that was blocked? It wasn't because President Trump, or uh, sorry, because that was an election year. It was really because of who had control over that specific committee and whether or not they could vote and block it. And, you know, the thing that you'll notice. <clears throat> Every time that there's, say, a Republican president or a Democratic president, 
the opposite party is going to have a spike in uh, members in Congress or members in the Senate. And in this case, the Judiciary Committee that selects and confirms, or not selects, but confirms the Supreme Court nominee, um, that's a Senate committee. And so as of right now, we do have a Republican Senate. Um, but when Barack Obama was president and was trying to nominate somebody in 2016, we still had this Republican Senate. But I mean, in that regard, too, sometimes you have to compromise as well with what you're trying to do and who you're trying to nominate. Maybe nominating somebody that's a more moderate candidate um, is always an option. Obviously, I think that, you know, every president relies on their political party and, you know, is essentially the leader of that. So they're going to pick somebody that more aligns with what their political party is. That's kind of the tricky part. That's the two-party system. I know that not everybody's a huge fan of it. I myself think that it has flaws, but I also think that it, you know, when you really get down to it, everybody leans one way or the other. So it still kind of aligns with how American citizens think. So if it's not broken, don't fix it. Doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be improvements every once in a while, though. No, I, I completely get what you're saying. I, I was just thinking about it because... You know, people, a president, whether when they're Republican, are going to nominate Republican view, you know, justices. That's just how it's going to be. That's why Trump picked Amy Comey, Amy Comey Barrett. Um, that's just how it is. But I think people need to remember is the Supreme Court's not meant to be a political. Like, you're just meant to have judges. Like, they, and I think a lot of people confuse. Supreme Court justices with legislators. Like they can't just one day wake up and be like, all right, let's change this. That's that's not how that works. Uh, you mentioned Roe v. Wade, um, Obamacare. <laughs> like both of them are probably not going to get overturned and there's going to be a lot of process to get to there. So it's like, I think people are really overreacting. Like it, I don't think, I'm trying to think the best way to put this. I don't think people know what the Supreme Court does specifically, or they're just overreacting. I'm not sure what it is, but I just think that's where we're at. It's just everyone's freaking out for no reason. Well, to be completely honest, everybody hates Donald Trump. That goes without saying. So anything that he does is going to fall under just incredible amounts of scrutiny. Um, I think you bring up a valid point. And yeah, the Supreme Court, they are not legislators. They are purely they are looking at things in the eye of the law and what they deem right um, both by the constitution and by the law of the United States. So everything that they're doing and acting on is supposed to be essentially, you know, in their eyes of what they truly believe, you know, be determined by the law, not, you know, a political leaning or anything like that. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen because clearly every single person has their own belief and where they lie politically. Right. Um, I believe that when you get to a certain point and you're being placed for, you know, you're being nominated or selected for a position this high, you're obviously a high ranking. I mean, you have to be a federal judge in a circuit court typically to be nominated um, or have some law background. So essentially really, you know, these people are notable enough to where they've made those decisions before and have been impartial and viewed whatever cases that they've worked on or whatever their background is impartially and acted the way that they thought was best. So I think that, 
you know, and that's exactly why the Senate Judiciary Committee vets these people as well, as long with as long as the president, too. You know, this isn't just something of, oh, I like her. I'm picking her. You know, these people are being vetted. They're being looked into. Every single thing about them is being studied. Um, so, you know, it's not like they're choosing them because they're going to now do the political bidding of whoever. I mean, they're a Republican um, you know, there are Republican selections on the Supreme Court now, and there's just recently a Supreme Court case, you know, and obviously Repu- the Republican Party is supposed to be the party that's anti-gay marriage, anti-LGBTQ, and all of that. And recently the Supreme Court ruled that it was illegal to fire somebody from a workplace based off sexual orientation and race. And as of right now, you know, like I said, with there being several justices that were selected by Republican presidents, you'd think that they had voted against that, but it passed just fine. Right. I think you bring up a good point. Um, this isn't a popularity contest. It's not, it's not like running for class president or something. You know, these people, like, it's for life, unless they choose to retire before that. But, like, it's not a decision they rush, you know. If they, the uh, committee felt they were ready, the committee thought it was a good decision. I mean, obviously, people are going to vote for and against. Um, I think it was actually the – I don't remember the exact results, but I think it wasn't that close of a, a decision, if I remember correctly. I believe that she was passed pretty overwhelmingly. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure she was – it wasn't like a lot of 52-50 or whatnot. Yeah. 52-48%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's just how I feel about the Supreme Court right now. It's just it's killing me of uh, people. Just I don't know if it's overreaction or what. Just I've already said that, but just learn again what the Supreme Court does. It's not. It's kind of the least impactful. I mean, you, we can barely name I think five cases in American history that the Supreme Court's had a huge impact on. Like, there's not many. There, you know, you got to pick and choose. I have a little bit of a different background just because I study criminal justice and, you know, my time, um, you know, and one of the careers that I was pursuing. So I've had to learn about a lot of cases that the Supreme Court's taken. I think that obviously it sets a precedent. You can't really go back on anything that the Supreme Court does. So they definitely hold a precedent. Like you said, it is a lifetime position. Um, I think that in some cases, there are just some things that are more sensitive than others. Obviously, Roe v. Wade is huge, Um, you know in regards to abortion and what women can do with their bodies and whatnot. Um, You know, a lot of women think that they should have the choice with me. You know, I won't get into that right now, but you know, I can definitely see where something like that is going to be a huge thing. And, you know, it's not just that case. There's definitely others to where the Supreme court has set the precedent on it. And, you know, that's just kind of the way I'm trying to explain it the best way possible, but, you know, there are some cases that could hit home. I think that more people tend to focus on those ones and don't care so much about other ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that, a lot of it's emotional. That's what I was kind of getting at before is especially with our generation is that people are making, essentially they're listening to, you know, news outlets, they're listening to parents, maybe, Um, maybe they even do, you know, form their own opinions. And I believe that now a lot of people are to the age of where, you know, they are forming their own opinions based off what they hear 
um, whether or not that be the right things or whether or not they even be the truth, they are developing their opinions through them and it's becoming more emotional than it is um, practical. No, I completely agree. And that kind of leads into my big, but what really killed me this week is just political, political parties in general. I'm, uh, for those of you know, I am an independent. I don't like the two-party system. I just, it causes a lot of problems because um, just this past week, um, I was in class, a uh, professor asked me, he's like, any independents or any undecided voters? I'm the only one that raises his hand. And uh, I'm just getting a lot of dirty looks in the class. And I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. I, don't, I didn't think that would be a big issue. And then the professor kind of sees that. He's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. I've been like that before. Like, I just don't get why we need – I feel like people just rely on their political party too much these days. I, I feel like it's not them looking at, all right, this is the candidate. What did he say or what did she say? What would they stand for? It's more – He's a Democrat. He's a Republican. That That's all I need to know. I feel like that's where we're at. And I just, I don't know. I just can't stand that really. Also, fair warning for everyone. We are not a political talk show. It just happens to be the topics right now. Yeah, we're talking about what's going on right now, current events and everything, you know. Sometimes politics are going to come up. We try to, you know, talk about them as best we can. We know that people are interested in them. But really what we want to do is, you know, Hole and I are interested in this too. You know, we've had many a political conversation, but I mean, you'll come to find pretty quickly that Hold and I are going to talk about pretty much anything and everything. <laughs> you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Holden and I have always had great conversations. Uh, we make fun of a lot of people in a teasing way too. So you're probably going to hear a lot about that. Um, and we're planning a trip to Disney world pretty soon. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting. And I think Holden would agree with that. <laughs> Do we dare to say it's going to be a magical time? Uh, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I right. think so. Magical, very, we're going to go to the happiest place on earth. So we better be happy when we get there. Disneyland's happiest. Magic Kingdom, they go by most magical. It's kind of stupid. I don't know why they both can't be, but. Yeah, it's it, one it's, it's a dumb marketing detail. They can yeah. cast a spell on me to make me happy or something. Um, yeah, that trip's going to be uh quite interesting i'm sure mm -hmm. <laughs> um sorry we gotta get back onto topic political parties yes holden what is killing you about the political parties i mean as i just said i feel like not being in a political party you get dirty looks and i, I just don't get it like you look at george washington his famous thing of you know Political parties are going to like ruin the nation one day. I can't stress this enough. And look where we're at. This is, I mean, I've heard people semi-jokingly and some being dead honest, like, like we're about to have a second civil war. It's this bad. I was like, see, this is more proof why political parties suck. <laughs> I mean, I I will say that I am registered to one of one of the two political parties. Um, I don't necessarily. I don't agree with everything that they say, I try not to uh, form my opinion based off just what my party is. Um, I try to listen to both sides. I do agree with my side far more than I agree with the other side. Um, and I've, that's kind of how I base everything of, you know, how I look at things of what makes the most sense to me when I try to make a decision. Um, typically, you know, 
when I look at the two parties, I think that I honestly think that both sides are terrible. And I think that when I look at a politician, their main objective is staying where they are getting reelected. Yes. Um, Every single politician was put there by the people. They were put there to advocate for the people that voted for them. And I don't think that any of them particularly do a great job. Um, I think that everybody tries to make it about themselves once they get up there. There are people, you know, you have the squad that's, you know, they're congressional members that, you know, they try to just preach and preach and preach. But really all they're doing is trying to get in front of a camera, Um, especially once you label it, you know, the squad, once you call yourself something like that, really all you're trying to do is draw your attention to yourself. So I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that there are a lot of, you know, and obviously the members of the squad, they're Democrat. But when I switch over to the Republicans, I think that, you know, there are several that I can point out that, you know, every time they get them to a microphone, they just put their foot in their mouth. And I think they just spew and spew and spew. And I think that that's something that two parties, both of these parties do is that they just have almost like generals that they send out to kind of basically put out a message and just hammer, 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 attack the other side. Um, And I don't think that that's the most effective. I think that, you know, when an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, something that Mahatma Gandhi said, and I think that's true completely. And, you know, we see it every day on Capitol Hill when one senator says something and then the other one says something to respond. You know, every once in a while, you just got to shut up and put your head down and do the work. And quite frankly, I don't think that either side does a good job of that. No. And, I mean, this division ha- didn't start in 2016. It, it happened long before then. But, like, I just – I don't know. I, I look at it, and I, it's just – we. I'm looking through, like, all the presidents in U.S. history. We've had one independent, George Washington, and the last time we didn't have a Democrat or Republican, that would have been President uh, Andrew Johnson in 1868. 1868. We've been stuck with Republicans and Democrats this long. And like, you know, they talk about like division for a while. Like they don't want to solve it. They know it just builds their base more and more. It's just Mm going to keep going until, I mean, I don't think, (laughs) I don't think the people that joke with this, a second civil war is going to happen, but like something drastic is going to happen soon. I don't know what, but something's trending that way. I mean, we've already seen, you know, different uprisings right now with, you know, a lot of the protests that have been going on, um, you know, just tons and tons of different things that, you know, I think that one side pushes for more of that to where the other one is trying to, I wouldn't necessarily say stop it, but they're denouncing it, Um, you know, but it goes back on both sides because I think that both, you know, both parties are connected to things that, you know, not everybody agrees with, obviously, um you know every side has their extremists that's you know that goes without saying you know there are republicans out there that would take things too far there are democrats out there that'll take things too far you know it really depends on the person i think that what we really have to look for is which side is adding more fuel to the fire i think that both you know both can do it in an equal amount but then you also got to look at what they're dumping the fire into and how big it's getting Um, That's kind of just the main problems that I'm seeing right now. I see that one is really pushing for, you know, more and more of an uprising that's causing all this great division. Um, And I think that 
and that's the thing to where you know it's hard to take these people seriously because of just everything that they're doing everything that they're saying you know it's just quite frankly it's just stupid oh absolutely i think i mean they're politicians you can't trust a word you say um i always joke like i trust nobody but like how do, I don't know how, how do you trust these people? Like they'll say anything to keep whatever their agenda is. They'll just say anything to keep it going. If they need to say oh, more terrible things to like fuel, add uh, fuel to the fire, they're going to keep doing it. Yeah, I mean that's that's any politician's motive is I think especially you know whatever's popular at the time, whatever's happening in the country. As soon as they can latch on to it because they think that that's where a majority is going, that's what they're going to do. No, yeah, it's they, – they know the game. They're going to keep doing it because there's no reason for them right now to stop it. I couldn't agree more. All right, Eric, um, I see the other topic. Sports are killing you lately? Yes, I am sick and tired of 2020 sports, to be quite honest with you. I, I don't like how sports are becoming – you know, we said that this isn't a political show, but I don't like how sports are now becoming this huge political arena. I'm all for athletes having a voice. You know, I don't have a problem with that. They're everyday citizens just like we are, but don't use the game to make your political statement. Use the game to bring people together, not divide them. I mean, if you look at the NBA, um, quite frankly, I think that the NBA just exhausted everybody this year with everything that they did um, you know, with the movements that they supported and everything to where it basically, if I remember correctly, this was the lowest rated NBA finals in history. Like since they started televising them, it's the lowest ratings it had ever gotten. Yeah, I'm and it cost the league extremely millions. Yeah. It cost the league millions upon millions of dollars just because of how low the ratings were. And you know, with baseball, something that's, you know, everybody says it's America's pastime. I think that they created a lot of division with that, with how they've handled some things. I think that, you know, just taking politics and putting it into sports is not what sports were ever have been meant to do. I think that sports is something that brings people together, you know, whether or not you're rooting for the same team or not, whether you're rooting against it is something that everybody kind of crowds around to watch and see, and it builds a sense of camaraderie and it shouldn't be building a sense of division, which I think that it's huge that it did. Um, so I didn't like that at all. I think that that's, that's what really killed me. Well, I kind of find it funny. Um, I don't, I can't remember who I saw tweet this, but it was, you know, the black lives matter thing on the NBA courts is really going to stop a racist being like, man, NBA told me to, I'm going to stop. It was like, I mean, that's kind of funny and kind of true. Like, I get supporting the message, but like, was it really necessary? Is it really accomplishing anything? I do not know. I, yeah, I definitely see that. I don't think that it was necessary. I'm all for players themselves, you know, using their voice and saying that they support the movement. Like I said, I just don't support the game itself being made all about that. Um, I think the Major League Baseball did the same thing when they typically Major League Baseball would have, you know, a team's logo or, um, you know, the MLB 
logo, which, you know, obviously MLB backwards is BLM. So essentially what they did on every mound for the first couple weeks of the season, and probably might have even been the whole season, um, they put the MLB logo, but then put BLM instead of MLB, to which, again, you know, I don't want to make the game something political. That's not why I watch the sports. It's not why I follow teams. I watch the sports because I want to escape all that. I don't want to constantly get reminded of, you know, some of the things that are going on, you know, especially because of just how stressful all those things are, you know, whether or not I support this and that, you know, and I, or I support certain aspects of it. I think that there's ways and means to go about it. And I don't think that those are the necessary ways. I agree. Like when I, I watch football cause it's my favorite thing to watch. Um, a kind of a rule I always believed that, I mean, if you want to have, talk politics, express your view as a player. You got before the game and after the game. You got a lot of time, like during warm-ups or something. But, like, once it's game time, like, you're on the job. Like, you you can't be doing this on the job. Like, you can't really be doing that most places. So, I think it's just show up for three hours or whatnot, do your job, and then once you're done, do whatever you want. I agree. I mean, it's – Yeah, you do have to treat it like it is your job because quite frankly, it is. And I think that these athletes definitely do care about the game. That's exactly why they've played it. That's why they've devoted their life to it. And I think that as of right now, though, it's just becoming something else. And that's kind of the frustrating part. More frustrating than the Astros cheating because that's my real issue with 2020 right now. Yes. Now we'll we'll keep it in the sports realm and moving on with now that, you know, we've seen the Dodgers just won the World Series last night, which I know that you're a Dodgers fan. And I was rooting for them this year, too, because I am a Red Sox fan and the Rays are in the AL East. So I did not want to see them get a championship. And the Lakers obviously won the NBA finals this year. Um, but really what we're talking about, and I like that you bring up the Astros, because obviously with their cheating scandal that broke light this year, everybody's talking about should there be an asterisk next to their name. So Holden, why don't you get into that? What do you think about that? Oh man, how, where do I start? Um, no, there shouldn't be an asterisk. They shouldn't have a trophy that they need to rip that from their hands. Um, I honestly looking at it, I, I, you can't give it to the Dodgers, but you really should because I went to game seven. It was super close and, but, and they were cheating. So like, you can clearly, I think anyone could say, yeah, if they didn't cheat, Dodgers win that. I'm not saying give it to them, but they definitely, you take away that trophy. They are not champions. They're, they're cheaters. And uh, the MLB commissioner, that punishment was one of the weakest things I've ever seen, especially when he was like, it's just a piece of metal. It's not my job to get people in trouble. It is literally your job to handle stuff like that. I, uh, that yeah, I, Rob. Rob Manfred is a joke. Like as a baseball fan, I've been a baseball fan my entire life. Rob Manfred is a joke. He is did a, he's done an absolutely horrible job with the handling of the Astros. He did a terrible job with the handling of the pandemic this year. Uh, I mean, baseball could have started pretty much not on time, but would have been delayed a little bit. The players wanted to play. They wanted to get in not typically 161 games like the regular season typically is, but they wanted to do at least 130. They proposed that. Rob Manfred said no. 
they had proposed at least 10 different plans, I think. And Rob Manfred just denied all of them, which, you know, as fans too, you know, now we're missing the game that we love. We've been waiting all year for it. We're getting psyched. We were literally in spring training with opening day, just a few days away when everything, you know, the country completely shut down and Rob Manfred didn't care. That's why I thought what was great about last night was when he was up there speaking, he had to wait for the booze to quiet down and they just didn't. Well, it was almost the highlight of the night, but um, obviously it wasn't, but I don't know how you can, he, that man just every decision he made, I felt like was just the wrong one. He kept delaying the start of the season players. Every time we want to play, tell us when him, we'll let you know. And then he waited so long. We got 60 games. That is, I think I did the math 37% of a season. Like, mm-hmm. how? How do you do 60 games out of, I think, what is it, 162? Uh, 161, 162, I believe, yeah. So, yeah, it's still three. It's just like this guy just did such a terrible job with starting it with COVID and then all the issues, what was it, with the Marlins? And I The think Marlins had the outbreak. The Cardinals had an outbreak. It was just nonstop. It was like you denied these teams who proposed bubbles and all this stuff to get like a longer and more efficient season going. And you kept denying that. And then on Mm -hmm. top of saying, it's just a piece of metal to the trophy. It was just like, everything you say is about to get you fired, beat up, booed. Booze definitely happened. I was like, this guy is just making the situation worse and worse. I feel like the more that I watch Rob Manfred, I don't think that, you know, I think that when you're the commissioner of a league, you better be the number one fan of that sport. You have to be dedicated. You have to actually want to be there. You want to, you know, do good by that sport. And when I look at Rob Manfred, he's a businessman. He does everything, you know, in almost a business or a marketing sense. And that's not the way that the game of baseball should be handled. It's been around for, you know, at this rate, hundred like, you know, hundred and some odd years, you know, back when it was created kind of in the civil war days. Right. And it was just everything that he's done since he's taken over for Bud Selick has just been an absolute joke. And it sucks too, because once you get into a position like that, the only person that can tell you to step down is you. And I don't see him doing that. Just like I don't see Goodell doing that in the NFL. Right. And he's another train wreck. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's disgusting to watch somebody like him be up there trying to make these decisions and really just ruining the sport and players hate him. I mean, Trevor Bauer, who I think number one, he's a great pitcher. He is an absolute great pitcher. He's probably one of the best in the game, but he's also the most outspoken and he has his own podcast and it is hilarious. Trevor Bauer from my hometown. Shout out to, you know, Santa Clarita. That's right. I think you bring out a good point because I, I don't know who's hated more right now, him or the Astros. Obviously, it's the Astros, but, like, you get people like Joe Kelly, Trevor Bauer, you get all these people throughout the league, and they just hate them because they know what they did, and they're just – and they're acting like nothing happened. Exactly. Like, it's – Go ahead. Yeah, there's – yeah. I mean, really what took place is the manager of the Astros and the general manager of the Astros both lost their job because they were suspended indefinitely – uh, the manager of the Red Sox, who was the man or who was the bench coach of the Astros when the cheating scandal actually happened, um, he resigned as the manager of the Red Sox, and he was given the um, 
I think about a year long suspension or so. Um, and to me, I'm a Red Sox fan. So that one really sucked because he, in his first year managing the Red Sox, got us a World Series title. So I thought that he was doing a great job. Um, and for him to be punished for something that, you know, happened back then. So, you know, obviously a bummer situation, but I also don't support cheating, especially in a sport that, you know, I've played for a like, long time. I played baseball for 12 years or so throughout my entire life. And uh, yeah, I'm just a huge baseball fan and I've always been a huge advocate for doing the game right. So. No, I agree. I kind of find it funny. Just, um, I just look at, because we were talking about how bad the commissioner is and how everyone hates the Astros. I think maybe the worst decision he made is when he gave the Astro players immunity. Mm -hmm. I was like, I I think that might've been the worst decision I've seen a commissioner make maybe ever giving the players that cheated immunity. It it made no sense. Like, I I don't know how you do that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me, to be quite honest. I mean, the players are the ones that directly benefited from it. Um, I mean, there's literally the live footage of when Jose Altuve sent the Astros to the World Series on a walk-off home run, um, you know, saying, hey, don't rip my jersey off, don't rip my jersey off, because he was wearing a wire that would vibrate when when a certain pitch was coming, or just the audio, I mean, when you're listening to it, and you could hear the banging of a trash can when a breaking ball or a fastball is being thrown, you know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I, I... I just don't get – I mean, people cheat all the time. Like, I'm going to talk about, like, the Patriots real quick. They're cheaters. I don't think if you're a cheater, you don't – I don't really think you deserve being in the Hall of Fame or have any real awards. And I know, like, Tom Brady and Belichick, like, they've won six. That's the most by far. But it's just, like, you guys cheated a lot. Like, can we really say these are valid they were always taught cheating, like filming teams that sucked too, which I thought was hilarious. It's always like the bad teams. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, I don't want to talk about the Patriots right now just because of the topic. But like, I feel like if you're a cheater, like with Barry Bonds, you did steroids. You shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Any record you have should be invalid. Like, Correct. And that right there should get an asterisk, his record. Exactly. That they, I don't believe in asterisks. Unless you cheat, like if you cheat, either take it away or you put that asterisk and you'd say cheated. So Holden, let me see. If you said that you don't believe in asterisks, that leads me to my next question. So when we see all these champions being crowned right now, so in the NBA and the MLB, and even I guess you can go as far as to with the NHL too, because their season was shortened too. They didn't really play a full season. They didn't get the whole trial and tribulation of playing you know, whether that be the 162 games or the 82 games in the, in the NHL and same goes for NHL and NBA. Um, yet they, you know, in the NHL's cases, they went immediately to the playoffs, the MLB, they played their 60 games. And then um, NBA the NBA, I think they played about 70 games and then the eight games Yes. Um, for the teams that made it to the bubble plus playoffs. I mean, Obviously, the regular season plays a huge part with everything. You know, you're battling through injuries, you're battling through divisional races, conference races, all that to where, you know, it's really a trial tribulation. There's a culmination of different things that are going on. And a lot of these teams didn't get to go through all that. So can you really say that 
there shouldn't be an asterisk next to their championship this year. To all those teams that won, you have the Tampa Bay Rays, or you have the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning for the NHL, the Dodgers, the Lakers, and I know that you're fans of two of those teams. <laughs> so here's how I feel about this. I think NHL, like they went straight to playoffs. I can't really support that decision. Um, but I think what the broader view is, this is what the players didn't really get to choose. Hey, we want to start in playoffs or we want a full season. They didn't really have that much power. So I think it's, you kind of have to take it as it is. Um, when looking with the NBA, um, you know, Lakers, they already clinched. Like they were the number one seed and all that. Eight games wasn't going to change much. Um, but I do look like a team at like the Suns or a lot of stuff that like didn't get in because they didn't get to play the full season. And I get and they it. went undefeated in the bubble too, which was unbelievable. Unbelievable oh, for a team that has gone through everything that they've gone through and to make it to the bubble to get that chance and then win every game that they played and there still wasn't enough. No, it almost begs the question of what, you know, what was the purpose of really having them there? I think the eight game idea was kind of dumb. I think it should have been. I I get like the players were already there for a very long time, but I think like you could have made it more games, made it a better chance for all teams to get in like the Suns, Spurs, um, Grizzlies. And I think they're and then like the Pelicans, Pelicans, but they they sucked right off the bat, but they were awful. um, Like teams like that, give them a better chance. When it comes to an asterisk with the Lakers title, I have to say no, obviously I'm biased, but like, this is a bubble. This is a whole different beast where, you know, there was no home court or advantage. You know, they weren't – there wasn't traveling. It was just them in the series. I can't really say there's an asterisk for that. I think it was a pretty hard title, and I think whoever won it, whether it was the Heat, Lakers, or anyone else who missed it uh, early in the playoffs, it's a legitimate title. When it comes to the MLB – this one is a little tougher because, like I said before, they played 37% of a normal season. Mm-hmm. That is a short time for any bad team to win enough games, you know, quick run of a few to make it. Um, I, I don't think – I think an asterisk isn't really necessary. I think if you want to put it, like, for any 2020 sports thing, short in season, that's fine, but, like, I don't think it lessens the value of it. Like, I remember people were posting after, like, Kershaw finally got his only ring. Like, only time he won was when, like, he had, like, you know, this situation which benefited him. I was like, I don't know if that's really true. I think you have to look at it as, I mean, we're in 2020. You know, COVID and all this, this is what the this is what it is. So, I think all these teams really – I don't think they really get an asterisk. I think – if you want an asterisk, you can say short in season, but like most of them got to play enough games for anyone to have a fair chance. So that's how mm-hmm. I feel about that. All right. I think that, yeah, you bring up a lot of good points. I think the hardest thing, and I think that, you know, when some people say like, okay, yeah, it deserves an asterisk. I think that it's definitely because of the shortened season. When I look at the NBA, the NBA had played a majority of their season. I think they had, been into the high 60s or low 70s out of an 82 game season right playoffs were right around the corner anyways so you know while the stage wasn't necessarily set for every team i think that's why that they gave them the eight game extension 
Um, I think that that plays into a factor. So I can't necessarily say that there should be an asterisk with the NBA. I think that ultimately, I think that the Lakers would have probably made the championship and probably would have won it. Um, I think that, you know, the Miami Heat pretty much shocked the world by getting as far as they got. I think that everybody was expecting um, like Lakers Celtics or Lakers Bucks. I think was probably those are the two more preferred matchups. I think that we were looking at. We also didn't get to see the Western Conference Finals of the Clippers, LA, and Lakers, which I definitely wanted to see. That I'm a big Kawhi fan, and I'm also you know, in terms of LeBron as a and as an athlete, I would say I'm a big LeBron fan as well. And I definitely would have gotten to see, or I would have loved to have seen that. So I can't give an asterisk to the NBA. When I look at the NHL, I think they were kind of in the same boat. The NHL and the NBA kind of start in similar times. It would have been nice to see a little bit of an extension in the regular season for the NHL. Um, But the Tampa Bay Lightning have been pretty great the last few years. They've just come up short a few times in the Stanley Cup. So to see them get that and win, I think that was pretty satisfying. So I can't really necessarily give them, well, you know what? No. That one's tough. I'm on, I honestly might give an asterisk to the NHL just because they went straight into the playoffs with still a little bit of the season left. Um, with the MLB, I don't like a 30 or a 60 game season with a season where, you know, there's supposed to be almost a hundred, you know, a little over a hundred more games in that. And the way that division divisional races and the wild card races go, in baseball, you know, there's so much baseball is a constantly, you know, the way that the numbers work and the way the divisions work and how many games back, there's so much that kind of go into it. And I feel like as fans, we were kind of robbed from a majority of that. So I have to kind of give, I think ultimately, I think the Astros deserve the world series with everything that they've been through. And I think that they've been, especially within the last five years or so i think that they've been the best team in baseball the astros (laughs) you mean with the the astros no i don't think that the astros have been the best team in the last five years because they have definitely cheated i don't care if they've been to two world series and won one of them and took another to the game seven they didn't deserve to be there yeah no um so i think we kind of agree like it it's, it is what it is with a shortened season. I, I can't really be like, yeah, it's an asterisk because it's illegitimate. It's, it's a shortened season. We didn't get a choice. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. I agree. I'm just going to put an asterisk on the year 2020. Honestly, yeah, fair. <laughs> Eric, I was reading through our, uh, the topics we have, and I see one I really want to get to. I know we're going a little later than normal. Chameleon friends, like, why is that killing you? What's up with that? Holland, I cannot stand those types of people. <laughs> what I think that, and I think you can attest to it, to where, say, you and me, you know, you and I have, when we got to college, um, obviously I'm, it was two years ahead of you. So, um, but when you came in, we quickly adopted a lot of the same friend groups. You know, we had the privilege of being involved with Greek life. So we got to meet a lot of really cool people through that. Uh, we also got to meet a lot of sucky people through that. Um, 
or people that, you know, obviously we never see eye to eye to, or we would, don't normally see eye to eye to, you know, you get to see a lot of people through different walks of life. Um, but in this, I think that's where we see the chameleon friends that we're talking about, or are just people in general of people who literally absorb the personality of somebody else to try to fit in, not even because they're so desperate to make friends or anything like that, but they're just desperate for the, I guess you could say uh, acceptance or just, you know, trying to fit some sort of narrative and really take on, you know, other people's personas, other people's personalities. And it just drives me crazy. I, I, I know exactly who you're talking about and I'm not who you're talking about, what you're talking about. Um, I, I, what I get, I don't understand if people do this to like pretend they're closer with the person or not. I don't know. Um, but when it comes to like being a chameleon with friends, like I know personally, like if I'm with my brother's friends, you know, I'm the youngest. So like, I'm not as more in the responsible mood. I'm, I'm more laid back and can be a lot more fun and whatnot. But then like here, you know, I'm more the older guy. So like, I'm more, you know, steady with everything. You know, and that's fine. I think you have to adjust based on the situation. But with these people, it's this person acts like this. I got to do that. And it's just like, well, no, you don't. You got to just be yourself. But chameleon friends can't do that. No, they can't. And I think that, you know, obviously with you and I, when we were in college, I think that, um, you know, we met friend groups to where they literally took each other's identity and, you know, when one was having a bad day, they were all having a bad day. When one was going through this, they were all going through it. Um, and it wasn't even because, you know, oh, we're best friends. We're there through each other or we're there with each other through everything. It wasn't like that at all. I think that, um, you know, they would almost use each other's problems to justify the stupid things that they did, which to me, you know, I am very much somebody that will own up to it if they're wrong will own up to it, you know, of if I did something or I could improve on something, I'm never going to make a, an excuse for something that I couldn't do, something I couldn't finish, something that I just ultimately don't believe in. I'm not going to sit there and tell you, well, this is, it's because of this, it's because of that, you know? And I think that you and I, and I'm sure you can attest to it too, but you and I have seen a lot of people in that kind of mode to where they literally will use a problem, whether or not it's theirs or somebody that they know or something that's going on that a majority of people kind of identify with, or at least say that, Oh, I identify with this because everybody else does, or because that's the popular thing that's going on right now. And then they go out and do something stupid. And then they use that as justification as to why they did it. And then they continuously do it. So in college, obviously, you know, that's where everybody's trying to find themselves. That's where everybody kind of starts drinking, whether or not they be of legal age or not. Um, you know, that's where all of that kind of stuff takes place. And obviously drinking leads to people doing some pretty stupid stuff. And I think that in college too, it's the quickest way to almost escape your problems. But then obviously that creates tons and tons of problems. And I think that what you and I most commonly noticed with these people is that they would drink, 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 and then they would blame it on, well, this is because of this, this is because of that. And they just took on that identity 
like together. They literally became one person, you know, all of their, (laughs) everything that they had just blobbed together, you know? Yeah. I think when a hive mind or when a group just becomes this identity, it's, I I feel like nothing good can really come from that. But like, if you want to drink, just say you want to drink, don't be like, well, it's because I have this issue going on or this person has this issue. So we're all drinking. It's no, if you want to drink just to drink, say it. You don't, you don't need to lie or create up some reason. Like you say, like try to become one with the group It's like, you don't need to do that. I don't know. I agree with that. I know. I think that college is the time to where you really need to find out, I guess you could say limits. You got to find out who you are as a person, what happens when you do this, what happens when you do that. Um, I also think too, that over time you really got to look at yourself too and kind of decide who you are. You can't just ever change it because that's what that person's doing. That's what this person's doing. So I'm going to do that, you know, cause then you're not being true to yourself. You're not being true to anything that, you know, you basically you're you don't show any of your own values any of your own morals you're not even your own person at that case and i don't think that drinking should ever be the justification for doing this or doing that like you know if you want to get drunk every weekend by all means too but then you know there's a time and a place in some instances and hey if you just like you said if you want to drink to drink absolutely go for it but don't say you're drinking because of this especially if it's something that happened like you know, years and years ago or something that didn't even happen to you, you know, that's not going to help the situation. That's just going to make it worse because you're going to constantly reflect upon that. And I think that that does more damage than good. I think you brought up a good point about like changing personality when I, I don't think personality is really, you know, it's not fluid. Who you are is who you are. Like I I don't, (laughs) people changing all the time like that. I, Maybe I'm in the wrong here. I don't know. But that doesn't sound like something that normally happens when they're like, oh, I'm going to be like this now. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, everybody's personality almost changes in some regards. But I think no matter what, you know who you are and you know what you want to do, um, you know, and I don't think that necessarily anything should ever be a direct influence of that or anybody should be a direct influence of it. It really just has to come down to, what you want to do not you know what other people are telling you to do or you know and nobody should ever make you feel guilty about being who you are and i don't think that you know i feel i feel like a lot of times too what i see very common in these people is that there's always one that almost kind of wants to break away but then you know they're in such a large group And that group is, you know, feeling down. So they have to go out and do something. We have to do this. We have to do that to raise our spirits because this is what happened. And there's always the one person to where that's not really what they want to do. And they want to break away from that, but they almost feel obligated to stay with that group because, oh, they've been here with me through this and they've helped me with that. But then honestly, that just becomes an endless cycle because while you're trying to uplift them when you don't want to stay on that path that's keeping you down and then eventually when they're all high and mighty and they're feeling better you're still down so what does that do that brings them back down you have to be an individual you can't be this one giant you know conglomerate of a group you know you still have to have your own individual identity yeah no i I really can't disagree um 
like there's nothing wrong with like you know a group i'm trying to think the right way to word this like as you said there's nothing wrong with being a group and like agreeing and always wanting to do this together whatnot but like you don't there's nothing wrong with being yourself like you shouldn't have to do something to fit in like if that's the case then you really don't fit in now do you exactly all right that's going to do it for us thank you for listening to the very first episode of what killed us this time uh please again follow us on instagram what kills this time we will be posting all news about the podcast on there if you would like to be a guest host which we would love to have you on here please uh, reach out to us we want to know what's killing you uh that's it for us again have a good night stay safe